You're listening to The Cultured Podcast, a weekly conversation hosted by me, Michelle Corey, that breaks down the barriers surrounding art, theater, travel, and more to bring a digestible dose of culture for all. Michelle and it's the cultured podcast so if you are not here for the cultured podcast please get up and leave the room okay everybody who's left hi welcome it's us <laughs> I have our guests uh, for today sitting in front of me we are in a rehearsal space his name is Brian Cloudis and he is the artistic director of the Serenby Playhouse and he is our guest he's our guest <laughs> I'm dancing. I love it. I love it. Hi, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. You are in the fix of uh, rehearsing for Cabaret. Yep, we open in two weeks and a day, which My is kind of crazy. God. Congratulations. Thank and you. it's kind of a special production because you're not just directing it, you are the MC. I am the MC in this production and I am directing it. Um, and it's sort of a special role with the MC. You know, this is my fourth time playing the role oh and gosh. I would never direct and be in the same show. This is the exception, you know, for for my money, the MC is the director of the world of cabaret. Yep. So it really made sense because the the role is so so ingrained in my bones. I know it so well. But there are certain rehearsals where I am the actor, and there are certain rehearsals where I'm the director. Um, but I also am surrounded by an incredible creative team who supports me, and we share a very common vision for the show. So I'm able to to be in it and direct it. And cabaret is my favorite musical of all time, so it's pretty special. It is fantastic. And if you guys can hear right now, we've actually got some of the cast out there warming up, having fun. You can hear that we are in the thick of it with you right now. Um, it's the perfect segue into what's inspiring me this week. And it's you triggered this, which is multitasking. You're having to use every aspect of your brain to switch in and out of character and into different characters, right? Mm -hmm. So like Brian the director, Brian the cast member, Brian the MC. So how do you, is there a way you can prepare yourself to switch in and out? Yeah, the thing is you you have to get first of all in a mental place to really multitask um, well, um, and you have to make sacrifices, you know? So on top of all of that, I'm having to run the administrative side of the company. <laughs> wow. um, I'm having to get my body in shape because I have to be very scantily clad in the show. Um, so I made some pretty um, strict decisions a few months ago. I gave up alcohol for mm. a few months, so I haven't like drank in five months. Bless and you. it's just, I know, right? <laughs> but the thing is, you have to sort of make this mental decision to use every single possible minute that you have. Yeah. Um, but then you also have to enjoy what you do, because if you don't enjoy the multiple things you're multitasking with, you're just gonna be a bitter, grumpy person, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And my whole thing is like, I'm over grumpy people. If you're grumpy, do something else or just get out of my life, yes, you know what I mean? I have amen. zero patience for people who are grumpy um, because you, you're really in charge of your own happiness and you're not happy get over it I agree so are you happy doing I'm, what you're doing I'm very happy <laughs> um, with that being said of course there are days where I'm tired there are days where I just want to relax but I am I'm extremely fulfilled and extremely happy because I'm doing what I love mm, that's amazing and you've been doing it 
for seven, eight years now? Are we on eight already? We're in season eight. Um, and so, you know, there was a year of sort of preparation before we started. So this is nine years of Serenby Playhouse, which is crazy. That is amazing. Another perfect segue opportunity. Love it. I'm just trying to put those in there for you. Yeah. You're just like the little breadcrumb trail. There you go. So now let's talk a little bit about the main topic of conversation for today, which is immersive theater and also site-specific theater because they're a bit different. Um, And for those of you who don't know, this is a big trend that's been coming out in the last few years, especially really in the 21st century, where the fourth wall is being dropped and not just dropped. So there's always been sort of audience interaction, even Shakespeare in his day, um, the actors would interact with the audience members. But now it's like the audience members are becoming a part of the experience. And so it's it's a full immersion into the theatrical experience. And that's really new. And you, of course, are the guest for this episode to talk about this because the very first performance I saw at Serenby Playhouse was the Sleepy Hollow experience in 2014, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And that was the version where you went into the barn mm-hmm. and the actors were amongst you and they would even talk to you the entire time. You know, the, act- the actors and the audience members were a blurred line at several parts. Right. In the, and it was creepy as hell. <laughs> so freaking creepy. <laughs> and that was the purpose, you know? Um, so tell me what motivated you to go into the immersive theater direction. You know, I would love to say that it was part of the the grand mastermind plan behind Serenby Playhouse, but it, it actually happened um, by chance. Wow. Um, when I proposed Serenby Playhouse to the Serenby community, their number one um, sort of roadblock for me was we don't have a physical space so what's your solution to that and i had just performed at the lost colony which is an outdoor you know amphitheater historical drama in outer banks of north carolina and my response immediately was just oh we'll just do it outside you don't need a space to do theater and again this was nine years ago before this was like the hot thing that everyone was doing so it happened out of necessity and then we used a couple of locations just out of necessity and then after season one people were talking about outdoor theater theater under the stars Mm -hmm. and i said well that's what people are talking about so in planning season two let's keep doing it outdoors and let's choose new locations then in season two oh they're using new locations they're they're site specific so that's what people started talking about And so we just kind of listened to what the buzz was about, you know, because we're, you know, 35 minutes south of Atlanta. So I always knew we had to do something that others weren't doing in order to give them a reason to drive out to Serenby to see what we were doing. So the the site-specific outdoor element came organically. Wow. As did the immersive element. um, And that really happened in season four. We produced hair, and we did it in a wildflower meadow, and we had a hippie bus we converted into the box office, and my vision for that was I wanted to recreate Woodstock, because when I think of hair, I think of Woodstock, Mm -hmm. and that took this idea of immersing audiences into our shows, it just kind of exploded from there, and then people started calling us immersive theater. And so from then on, I was like, well, I guess we've got to be outdoor, we've got to be site-specific, and we have to be immersive because that's what our audience is responding to. 
So with every show, no matter what we produce, we're always trying to press the boundaries on how immersive it can be and how environmental it can be and really breaking down that fourth wall. Like you were saying, it's not, it's not just breaking that fourth wall. It's almost allowing the audience to become another character in the show because without the audience, the show cannot happen. Absolutely. And there's a wonderful article that I read in The Guardian that theorizes the rise of immersive theater is concurrent with the rise of video games. Oh, cool. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And how video games have evolved in the same way where the player becomes a critical part of the narration and the storyline. And so in the same way, you've got plays like, well, you know, I think one of the founders of immersive theater is Felix Barrett from Punch Drunk mm-hmm. in, in London. They put on some like massive productions and then that caught fire on that side of the world. Mm-hmm. But then there's people like you where you're just kind of like, I'm going to make do with the space that I have. I'm not calling it anything. I'm not right. doing it to fit a label. And that's the most interesting kind of experience. But what I always see as an audience member is, how do you do it? <laughs> like, it's got to be so hard. There's so many pieces and parts. You know, it, it definitely is a lot more difficult because you are dealing with a multitude of elements. You're not in a fixed space. You're in a, an, an environment that is always going to be different. And you're also dealing with an outdoor immersive experiential theater. You're dealing with Mother Nature. Mm -hmm. You know, she is always going to win. I always say our leading lady is going to be trumped by Mother Nature. She just always is. But, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I really try to always look for the good and the positive. I know that we have to deal with those elements to be able to look up and see the moon and see the stars in our productions, to be able to land helicopters in a field, to be able to have people riding on horses, these things that would be really difficult in a typical theatrical space that has walls and a ceiling. We don't have any of that. So my only barrier is time and money. It's like, you know, I really feel like as an artist, my imagination can do anything in this environment. The only thing is you have a deadline, your show has to open, and there's only so much money. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's it's like never a brevity of ideas, just yeah. um, money and time. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many logistical things that go in. Like when you go into a blank space, there's nothing. So you've got to figure out where do people park? Where do people use the restroom? Where are you pulling power from? Where do you hang lights and speakers? I mean, mm-hmm. you literally have to think about every single tiny logistic. But at this point, you know, nine years in, we sort of have a shorthand of what we know we have to do for every single space. Mm-hmm. But every space is going to have its new challenges, um, but also new opportunities, you know, things that, totally. that weren't in the previous space. And we're always thinking, how do we highlight those and make them opportunities as opposed to, you know, hard challenges. So how do you bring power into the middle of a field? So we use generators. Um, And, you know, this was something new in the last few years. I mean, in the first couple of years, we were literally asking neighbors if we could plug extension (laughs) cords into their porches and running extension cords, you know? Thank goodness everyone at Serenby so kind. They were were so kind and so nice. (laughs) But, you know, now the the scale that we operate on, like Cabaret has an orchestra of 12. Oh, my God. We have a cast of almost 20. Everyone's in mics. You know, there's uh, 400 people sitting in the audience. Mm -hmm. So just the amount of power it takes 
to do all that is kind of incredible, you know, but keeping with our green mission, we use generators that are eco-friendly. We use LED lighting. LED lighting takes a fraction of the energy. So, you know, even though we're site-specific and doing our own thing and immersive, we're also always going to be true to the, the mission of Serenby which is being as eco-friendly as we can and treating the world well. Wow, you know, I never actually thought about you must have to have some kind of plan to watch out for the area that you're you're setting the play in. In other words, like making sure that it's low waste, that everything is cleaned up when you guys leave. All of that. So when we leave, it's as if we were never there, That's you know, fantastic. and we're never going to do anything that's going to like harm wildlife or anything like that. But the cool thing is like that now that's just sort of part of like my thought process i don't even have to think about it it's just like oh i just know going in i'm thinking about automatically when we go into a new space that's fantastic super important okay now we have to rewind okay you mentioned a helicopter yes why don't you tell our dear audience (laughs) what you mean by that i will um so last year we produced miss saigon it's our big summer musical and during the the climactic nightmare scene um, when everyone is taken out of saigon there's the the helicopter that comes and rescues the, the last soldiers that were there at the embassy. And I always said if we ever did Miss Saigon, I wanted to land an actual helicopter that was flown in Vietnam. And it's just something I manifested and I spoke into existence. But you didn't just land any old helicopter. No, so we, we landed an actual Huey helicopter that was flown in Vietnam. And we actually had Vietnam vets flying it every night. Um, that it, is jaw dropping. Well, it, the crazy thing is, like, it's just like, oh yeah, we did. Like at this point, I'm like, yeah, we did that next show. You know what I mean? But the crazy thing is, when we announced Miss Saigon, I just announced we were landing a Huey helicopter every night when we announced the show, and I had zero idea how that was going to happen. So, like in the press release, I just said it's going to happen because that way I was holding myself accountable to making it happen. And I'm like, for me, there's never an excuse. You know, you can't give up. So I just told myself and the staff that this was going to happen. And you just get on Google and start Googling. And then lo and behold, in like magic universe, there was an Army Aviation Heritage Foundation 45 minutes from Serenby. No. I emailed them. They wouldn't respond to my emails. Thought I was a crazy person. Called them. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't land helicopters in musicals. Who are you? <laughs> so I just showed up at their front door and said, I'm not leaving here until we have a conversation. And for every reason they gave me a no, I just asked them why. And at some point I wore them down and they found it really charming. And then they became in love with the idea. And I also told them, I was like, you know, if this happens, we're gonna get picked up by the New York Times. We've already been talking to them. Totally (laughs) bogus, you know what I mean? I just said, oh, the New York Times is gonna cover it. And they were like, oh, well, that's cool. And so then, lo and behold, they said yes. And then the New York Times reached out and said, hey, we've heard y'all are landing a helicopter for Miss Saigon. Is that happening? And I was like, yes, it is. I manifested. <laughs> if you were a superhero, you'd be Manifestation Man. Manifestation Man. <laughs> and you, you got to be specific about what you manifest. You oh, know, yes. You can't, everything's not going to pop out. But, like, really big stuff like that that you, that you truly believe in and you're like, energy's going towards... You know, you can manifest, but then you got to work to make it happen. Oh, you, you got to be focused. You got to be focused, mm-hmm. um, and you can't take no. You can't take no for an answer. You know, that's my whole thing with any artist or anyone who's multitasking. You have to prioritize what you need 
And then don't take no for an answer and don't yeah. take the easy way out, period. Mm, preach. I preach, love that. Yes. I love that. You know, perhaps one of my favorite things about your shows, um, talking about immersive theater, is the fact that the immersion begins the second you get out of your car. The second. The second. So in every single show I've been to, when you're going to Greece, you're going to a drive-thru. Correct. And you get out of your car and the actors themselves are, you know, greeting you. They're walking around in character, in costume. Costume. They're serving you at the concession area, mm-hmm. you know, in character, in character, interacting with you. What I loved about Greece specifically is that you had convertibles sitting in front of the stage yes. that the actors used, but that were seating as well. Of course. So there were audience members sitting in those cars with the actors. With at the actors points. too. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm I'm really inspired by Disney. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Disney fan. I think that Disney is so brilliant with their brand because. You're never waiting for anything. Mm-hmm. You once you step through those gates, your experience begins. You know, so we're always trying to think of how can we make that experience begin the second you step out of your car, and it continues until you get in your car and drive back home. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, we have actors interface with check-in at the bar. Um, with Greece, we had the VIP convertible seating. With Cabaret, we're doing VIP seating. So we're trying to, to sort of create tier levels of how immersive you want your experience to be. Of course, a dollar tag always goes with that. Um, but with Cabaret, there's 14 tables that we have lining the runway and that includes a waiter so you can sit down never have to like get up to the bar and get your drinks and then your front row and you know that you're going to get the most attention from the cast because it's going to sit you right in front of the Kit Kat Club. So yeah we're really interested in taking our immersion to multiple levels now and for a little extra money you can have the most immersive seat in the house. And I think you bring up a good point because not everyone wants the immersion. Correct. So that's the interesting thing is I think it's beautiful to have this new form of theater that is super immersive and experiential, but not everyone likes that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the people who are really shy, who don't want to be a part of it, who would rather watch than, mm-hmm. than be involved. And so that's another thing that your shows, you don't have to be involved. You no. can be as much of a participant as you want to be. Whereas others like um, Sleep no-, no More is a very famous one that took place in New York City and it was Hamlet. And you go into the building and you walk around with the cast and you go in and out of the rooms and you're always kind of in it and a part of it mm-hmm. and the actors just come up to you and you're in a scene all of a sudden they'll grab you they'll like grab physically you. yeah, yeah. Um, that and makes I'm a, some people nervous yeah I'm a huge fan of sleep no more um, but I think that yes it, it sort of attracts a very specific audience member but the great thing with our theater is that yeah, we acknowledge that everyone does not want that so with that sort mm-hmm. of second tier you can choose to sit on the back row and almost be a voyeur to the enti- entire experience but again it's never going to be an experience where you get here half an hour early and you wait for a curtain to rise that's not an option you're at least going to enter into the world and be stimulated from that second you step right. in but you know i always tell our actors you can tell if audience members want to play or not definitely but, from the way that you sort of look at them, they'll kind of give you the eye or they'll kind of engage. And those are the people you really want to interact with. If people sort of stray away from looking at you and they show signs of being nervous, 
just let them alone and let them watch. You know, so we never want people to feel uncomfortable, but people that want to play, bring it on. That's so smart. That's amazing. Are there ever times that you're overwhelmed by the amount of options, the endless options that you have in an open space? Um, no. I mean, you know, the first couple of years it was that like, oh my gosh, I want to do everything all at once. Yeah. Um, but now we're starting to plan like multiple years out. Mm. So maybe something that doesn't fit this year, I'm like, oh, well, that's going to happen in a couple of years, you know, because it, it feels like we've really solidified it being a company here. We have legs now. So for me, I get excited about multiple years of planning as opposed to, oh, I want to do all these shows next year. I'm like, oh, well, we'll do that in season 10, you know, or we'll do that in season 15. So for me, it's, I just start planning out multiple years. That's so exciting. Cause you get to really dig into the nitty gritty of every show. You have totally. the time to have the time. Um, and I always say like when things get stressful, like in the current show or the situation, we'll just kind of dream about the future. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's sort of, that sort of takes your mind on a, a kind of a break, you know, what are you dreaming about right now? Well, I can't tell you. you um, I'll give you some sort of hints. Um, so we're we always have a, a theme to our seasons, mm -hmm. and this season was um, rebellion. Mm -hmm. So now, not only are we choosing seasons that have a theme, but I'm also thinking of how is there a progression to our season. Um, so season 10, which is two seasons away, we already have the rights to that full season and mentally what we're doing. Um, and that's going to be, um, I'm not, I'm going to give you sort of a couple of hints, you know, it's going to okay. be something very, um, very loving, very peaceful in season 10. So we are trying to think, how do we get from, um, a season of rebellion mm -hmm. if we're in two years, a season of peace. So what does it take to get to that point? Is it sustainability? Is it power? Is it strength? Um, is it choosing between good or evil? Um, it takes more sort of more brain power, but I just think it's so much more fun, you know? And that, that's what I always say is like, we're creating art, so there has to be joy in it. If you don't have joy in your art, again, why are you doing it? You know, yeah. and of course, like all art is not just light and funny and joyous, but you, no matter what story you're telling, you have to have a sense of joy in what you're doing you know mm -hmm. i agree completely we talked about mother nature do you want to talk a little bit about what happened with macbeth yes so speaking of mother nature being in a really grumpy mood <laughs> so you know there is this curse of macbeth curse of the scottish play and i am not superstitious at all mm -hmm. But Macbeth changed my mind, I'll tell you. And I can say Macbeth because we're not in a theater currently. We are in a dance studio. Um, so, you know, typically in a run, we'll have like one show that rains out. Almost half of our shows got rained out to the point where we had to move inside. And then our set was completely destroyed in week three. So we, we staged it in the waterfall in Serenby. And the rain kept building up and building up and building up to where the waterfall became so massive, it washed the entire set away. I'm talking all of the platforms, all of the lights, all of the sound, everything was just washed away. And so we walked up there on Monday morning and I was with my production manager and he said, what are we gonna do? And I said, we're gonna rebuild it. We're oh gonna God. win. We are literally gonna rebuild. So in two days, we re rebuilt that entire set and we were back in the space, never missed a performance. Oh my God. Um, and the crazy thing is after that, 
the rain kind of subdued. It was almost like, okay, you win. It's like a bully. Literally. When I'm like, I'm like, hell if I'm gonna stop, you know what I mean? I was like, let's just rebuild that set. And he's like, what if it gets rained away again? I was like, we'll just rebuild it, you know? All like, hail manifestation man. It's like this is what we signed up for. Yes. You know? Like this could happen at any moment. So. Wow. And and the reason I know that is because I was on my way to go interview you and I got text mess texted pictures. That's right. That made my heart break in pieces. This poor set. I was like, um, we can have the interview but I was like you're gonna have to put your rain boots on and we're gonna have to haul some stuff just so you know and my crazy ass was on my way to go put on rain boots I was like what am I doing what am I doing (laughs) let me give him space yeah anyway so thank you so much for this amazing lively conversation and thank you guys for always tuning into the cultured podcast and obviously if you have any questions for Brian for me about immersive theater about anything Serenby Playhouse um, just go ahead and reach us on all the socials like we always talk about and as always my beloved cultured crew keep it classy keep it curious keep it cultured love you guys